Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40. Created and hosted by me, journalist and author Sam Baker. Like many women, my guest this week has lived a lot of lives in one. Married and divorced in her 20s, Sarah Pimbra left a career in teaching, became a horror writer and taught herself to script write. But it was when she turned her hand to psychological thrillers, age 44, remember that age, it's definitely significant that things went a little nuts. Our generation is definitely up for, you know, talking about what it's like to be in your 40s and 50s. I think we're much more open about it. Like my friends who are just coming into this period of their life, I'm like, oh God, your 40s are so great in so many ways. That book, Behind Your Eyes, went on to sell over a million copies and is now coming to Netflix. Sarah is honestly the only person I've ever interviewed who has spoken so freely and frankly about money, how it changed her life in her mid-40s and why it can vanish as quickly as it arrived. She made me realise that knowing your financial worth is quite rare, even in successful women, and we need to get a lot more comfortable talking about cash. So before I start prying into your personal life, Sarah, let's talk a bit about your career, because you've had a really interesting career path, haven't you? Well, that's a really polite way of saying long. (laughs) I did a lot of switching and swapping in my 20s. You know, I had quite a a wild sort of time up until I was 25. And I was, you know, nightclubs and, you know, running restaurants and all kinds of very central London stuff. And then teaching, I didn't do till I was 30. I did my teacher training at 29 because I had very foolishly got married in Las Vegas after a very short romance. And we ended up living in Devon and I was looking for a job and it worked out that I could earn more money being paid by the government to train to be an English teacher than by working in an office full time. So I thought, well, I might as well, you know, do that and have an extra qualification. But I never actually intended to teach. But I did. I taught for six years. As jobs go, it's quite a fun job. But six years was enough. And then I became full time writer after that. But I didn't I didn't quit to become a full time writer. I took six months out because I didn't think I could afford to do it full time. But then it just luckily all kind of came together. And I 
stayed not teaching. So that was quite good. <laughs> I was writing two books a year for a while just to make a salary. So tell me about, because you made your writing career sound like, oh, I just always did that. And then it happened and, you know, like <laughs> completely doing it down, like it was like no big thing. But, you know, you did write, like us say, you wrote two books a year and you were writing horror and YA, so young adult mm. and SF. I mean, you were really like churning it out. Yeah. I mean, Behind Rise was my 23rd book. First book came out in December 2004. And then Behind Rise came out January 2017. So in that period of time, what, 15 years, I guess. So yeah, pretty much two books a year. I think like most writers, just very afraid all the time and afraid of failure. And I just kind of just wanted to write stories. And I think when you're starting out, the advantage of not getting paid a lot is people let you write more freely. But I've sort of made it work eventually. It took a while, a lot of wine, but we got there in the end. <laughs> so tell me about Behind Your Eyes. We'll get to translating it for Netflix mm. and all that. But tell me about how that happened, because it had its supernatural element, but it was quite different for you. Mm. What made you decide It was a really interesting... It was a lesson in getting out there in a lot of ways, you know, going to festivals, going to conventions, going to book events, you know, when you're like a lesser known author, because I was at Longcom, which was the World Fantasy and Science Fiction thing, Worldcon. Yeah, they yeah. had it in here too. It was massive. And I'd gone along and I was kind of in and out every day. And then Tasha Bardem from Collins was there. And we'd been friends for a while by this point, you know, and she said, I'm going out for dinner tonight with a couple of people. Do you want to come? And I was like, you know, I'm a bit tired. I think I might just head home. You know, I can get home for the day. I'm not staying overnight. And she went, well, do you want to have a coffee? So I was thinking, okay, being a convention, we went for a beer. We didn't have a coffee. It was really a pivotal moment. Tasha basically said to me, we at HarperCollins don't think you're being published as well as you could be. So I said to her, well, you know, what kind of thing? And she said that fateful thing. She was like, well, just come up with something. It doesn't have to be brilliant. And I can take it to acquisitions, which of course means it has to be brilliant. Yeah. And it was it was a really awful week, actually, because I was in Chiswick looking after my friend's dog for a month. And I had to have the dog put down that week. And they oh were in LA, but then had to get all that sorted. And Graham Joyce, who was a writer, the fantastic kind of magical realism books, he died that week. He'd been ill for a while. So it was a really shitty week, really. And I remember walking up and down Chiswick High Road and thinking, I've got to come up with something. This is a massive opportunity and I've got nothing and I, I mean I knew I wanted to write about an affair and kind of some relationship dynamics because at that point in time I'd read Gone Girl I was reading those kind of books I was getting into that kind of psych thriller i had been reading this stuff and I thought well I'd quite like to try something like that but then throw in something crazy along with it so I wanted to write about dreams because I dream massively but I had nothing so I thought right I'm just gonna go to the pub and have a glass of wine which I did and I got my notebook out and I had all the characters and who done what and I wanted there to be a murder and and then suddenly I had the ending in my head and then I thought okay this is interesting and yeah and where I was really really lucky was HarperCollins couldn't pay me massively for that book they literally paid me as much as they could for my previous sales justified but it was not a lot of money but they gave it the support as if they'd spent 152 a grand on that book you know I'm not shy of saying what I earn I earn 30 grand for that 30 grand for cross the heart with 20 grand in bonuses for paperback sales 
it was an increase for me, but it wasn't life-changing money. And we didn't announce the deal at all. We sat on it until I'd written the book. And then it was time for Frankfurt Book Fair, I think it was, or London Book Fair, one of the book fairs. And they made this big announcement. Like they made it sound like a massive book. And then the Americans paid a huge amount of money for it. It sold in 25 territories. I film rights sold really quick. I will forever be indebted. You know, as Tasha put it, which was really sweet, we would have loved to have paid you a fortune for it, but we couldn't justify it. So we just went with it as if we had which I think was a really great moment for me yeah because you just said they didn't pay life-changing money but mm. you ended up getting paid life-changing oh, money didn't it you? changed my life I mean and this is again I mean this is comedy gold because Behind Her Eyes came out in America and when I gave in Cross Her Heart to the same publisher that had bought Behind Her Eyes they'd only paid for one book and they had paid quite a lot of money for that book so when I handed in the next one they decided they didn't want it it was too dark so I was a bit like oh my god I've just shot myself in the but maybe I should have written something a bit more romancy or whatever. And my agent in America, she is Irish. And she just went, listen, leave it with me. And so she went to like five or six editors who had wanted behind her eyes and didn't get it. She said, you've got three days, read it, come in with an offer. And all I was thinking was, God, I hope someone offers me enough that I can walk away with my dignity intact. And so then she, she said, can you do a couple of calls? And I was like, yeah, all right. And I didn't think they were going to go anywhere. And then I had a really great call with William Morrow. I tried to ring her when I got off the phone and, I, and she was engaged. So I messaged her and sort of jokey, oh, you're obviously busy working, doing your actual job or something. But she'd been on the phone to David. I, I will never forget it. it. It was the weirdest night of my life. And she, she rang me back and she said, right, he's made an offer. And I was like, okay. She said, it's for three books. And I was like, okay. And she says, it's a million dollars. And I literally was like, what? What? And I was like, we're going to take it, aren't we? We're going to take it. And she was like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, what? She goes, we can get some more. And I was like, oh my God. She went to other editors to find out what their maximum offer would be. And it came out very nearly 1.5. And then, of course, we did our new deal with England, which obviously was not near that money, but for England was also very good money. So you are really strikingly candid about money. Of everybody I've spoken to, you're the most candid about it. Well, when you get those big deals, they publish them in the press anyway. So people have a rough idea. I mean, I'll tell people how little I've earned for books as well. You know, like, I've, you know, written books for tiny amounts of money when I was starting out. But I think it's quite nice to know that you don't have to have your first book to get that big deal. So. Why do you think women are, in particular, are reluctant to talk about money, much more reluctant than men? Well, I think we're in a lot of ways conditioned to feel embarrassed by any form of success to a certain extent, because that when men do it, I always think, does that mean you have a small dick that you're telling me how much you earn? <laughs> <laughs> so I do think we're conditioned somewhat to not be as bullish with our earnings as men are. You know, men take it as a badge of honour. I, I mean, I always, whenever I talk about money, I come away from it feeling really embarrassed that I talked about it and thinking oh my god I must sound like such an idiot for talking about money but I also think this is a business and if you were going to go into any other business you'd want yeah. to know what you could earn or if someone was listening in and yeah it's really interesting because I, I kind of often end up talking to people on social media about the fact that I'm endlessly asked to do things for nothing mm. just yeah. give me a bit of free advice or you know the coffee yeah. and the chat yeah it's like we're supposed to be constantly nurturing other people I don't mind doing it when people are starting out but you reach a point when you think hang on a second I'm spending quite a lot of my time helping other people who then if they are successful quite a lot of them you never hear from them again I don't know would men do that I suppose some men do women have to fit their writing in amongst other things and I do see it in male writers on Twitter that some of them have really bought into that kind of artist thing whereas women are just like yeah knocked out 500 words between changing nappies and cooking a dinner men can be artists in garrets women are just authors 
I mean, when I did have a live-in boyfriend, and to be fair, not always his fault per se, but it totally limited my time because, you know, there was a point when I was trying to finish something and I thought, God, if I was a man, I'd probably say, right, I'm, I'm going to go off for a few days. Uh, you know, at the level I was getting paid for the book, it's, you know, it's the main breadwinner kind of thing. If I said, oh, I needed to go away for four days to write, if I was a man, someone would probably go, oh, yeah, go away, do it. It's fine. Because women are kind of automatically, how can I make the situation better? Whereas as a woman, you just have to carry on on the sofa around the noise. But as you get older now, I'm much more demanding of what I need. Yeah, this is what I'm like. This is what you're going to get. You know, I need to see my friends. I need this. I need that. All the stuff that you give up so much of when you're younger for the sake of a man, lovely as they are. <laughs> Great. I also wanted to talk to you about being a female screenwriter and the way that women are portrayed on TV and in film. When you're writing a script, you know, nobody listening knows how that works. So tell us how that kind of how female characters are described in scripts. Well, you know, normally, as with all characters, people will put physical description in. And, you know, I realised from reading lots of sample scripts when I was starting out and other people's scripts, like a man will often be described as, he might be very handsome, but it might be more, you know, he's rugged, he knows what he wants in life, he's tough, he's this. A woman, stunningly beautiful, but doesn't know it. You know, that kind of thing. It's always <laughs> a perfect figure uh, and also intelligent, that kind of stuff. And I was always like, well... There's many, many things that can go wrong there. <laughs> if I was an actress reading a part, I'd want to know who the character is, you know, rather than it doesn't matter if she's got mm. perfect, lustrous, thick black hair, you know, over her over her sexy smile and, you know, perfect size 10 figure as she kicks ass around town. So now I just try and put like, I'll give a rough age because that's often important, you know, depending you know on the character, if it's a young couple or whatever, you put the rough age and then I'll put like, she's slightly insecure, but she's got a great sense of humour, which she covers it with or something like, you know, I'll try and describe the character rather than her physicality. It's like that, you know, she's feisty, you know, she's strong and feisty. You think, what does that even mean? You know, like she doesn't suffer fools gladly. That I'll take. Because now I have that, you know, but feisty, I'm like, that's what someone writes just after they've said she's stunningly beautiful and feisty. Feisty is one of those words, isn't it? It's like, in fact, someone else I've interviewed for this series talked about feisty as well as being the word that annoys them more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, and it's always like a younger woman can be feisty. An older woman's just a bitch if she's feisty. If she's younger, she's sort of more perky, so she's allowed to be feisty. And feisty implies that it can be tamed, you know, which I don't like as well. So there's all kinds of connotations to a lot of the words that are used. You know, there's massively more character roles and, and great roles for women in their 60s and up. I still think Hollywood and they don't know what to do with the 40 to 55 range, you know, because these days we're still out there doing stuff. And I still think we're sexy. And, you know, I think you're sexy in our 70s. But, you know, they, they will cast a 25 year old to be the girlfriend of a 55 year old or a 30 year old to be the girlfriend of a 55 year old. I mean, even in real life, you know, if I know someone who's wealthy and successful and they're dating age appropriately, I just want to slap a gold star on them and go, well done. It's so reflective. If, you know, it's like people who say they go on Tinder. And, you know, the men of 50 are all looking for a 25-year-old, which is also pathetic, isn't yeah. it? The fastest way to make yourself feel old, I should imagine, is to go out with someone half your age. You know, I don't think it's going to make you feel any younger. I say it's like we all wanted to give Keanu Reeves a medal, didn't we, yeah. for going out with a woman that artist who's only 10 years younger than him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she dye her hair. And so she's clearly, you know, like, oh, my God, she's so brave. She doesn't dye her hair. Like, it's so terrible to have grey hair. 
casting is is very much like that i mean we've talked before about the undoing and um nicole kidman and hugh Grant and the diner and even the younger woman the woman he has the affair with i'm like really i mean like you know hugh grant kissing that younger woman and i never thought i would say the day that hugh grant kissing someone made me want to be a little bit sick but i was just like this man really <laughs> you know growing old gracefully or whatever and then there's nicole plumped and fluffed and and because I suppose you have to be to a certain extent, you kind of hope that you would grow up, do it without any injections and fillers. But I guess in, in the roles that she wants to get and to stay in the visual eye, as it were, I guess, you know, she's made herself look 10 years younger and he looks 10 years older and it's all right for him. People are now praising his acting skills because he's got creases. You know, <laughs> like... But it's exactly that, isn't it? Because I remember when I saw that casting, um, I thought, oh, that's great. That's brilliant. Is it like they're close to the same age? I mean, he's probably, what is he, 60? She's about 52. Early, mid 50s. Yeah. You know, it's kind of appropriate. And then you see all the publicity material and you're like, hang on, he looks like her granddad. (laughs) You know, they still managed to sneak in an inappropriate age gap. You said, which I thought was quite interesting, like she has to do that for the parts she wants. But in that case, she was playing, you know, a woman of roughly her age and she has not to a criticize Nicole Kidman because I think she's pretty amazing also or to criticize anybody who you know wants mm. to have worked yeah. looking yeah. how they look but it was that real there was that real sense of he's allowed to look like yeah, a 60 year old bloke he's I, not allowed to look like yeah. a 50 year old woman and that's what I think I think a lot of these actresses you know like I mean I have been there and said oh my god what has she done to her face so many times but actually when your livelihood is dependent on your appearance, which for women it is, so much so, you know, you either get stuck with being a character actor. I mean, a friend of mine, she um, played Mrs. Hughes in Downton Abbey. And a few years ago, we were in LA. And, you know, people just kept coming up to me going, oh my God, you look so much better in real life. She's so old on screen. And she was like, do you know what? I literally just wore no makeup for that part (laughs) any 50 odd year old woman with no makeup on under studio lighting you're gonna look like shit or you're gonna look older and but she had to do it to look so she could play this safe older woman but you're not allowed to be like a woman in your 50s and still leading an exciting life in tv land you know it just doesn't seem that way so I could totally you know I'm I try not to be judgmental because we all have moments when we look in the mirror and think oh my god maybe a little injection in there would do me some good but I also think that way lies danger so I think it's very unfair in that he's he's almost celebrated for it you know I mean Mm. I love you as well so I'm not knocking him but it's like oh my gosh you know he's grown into this amazing actor because he's not playing the pretty boy parts anymore but Nicole Kidman is a great actor but she's not allowed to look like herself while being a great actor you know like where's the yeah she has to still even if she's not playing pretty girl parts she still has to look like a pretty girl yeah not even woman yeah she's still got to look like an astoundingly stunning woman she can't just you know look like a normal woman if a woman is is not beautiful she's the quirky side character in tv and film you know especially as they get older you know, unless you're Drew Barrymore or Reese Witherspoon or Nicole Kidman, you, you know, and I think it's just unfair on, on real women. You can feel come away from stuff feeling really down about yourself if you're in the wrong mood when you're seeing all that stuff. You know, the disconnect between the men and the women and how they're supposed to be.
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you feel more relaxed in yourself physically because you feel like you're not in that game anymore? You don't have to compete or is it is it because you just feel more relaxed? It's hard to say, isn't it? I do think there's something when you're over 40 that there's lots of things happen. Your body starts to change anyway. So you're so distracted by if and when you're having periods and feeling like shit and all that other stuff. I think you're aware that you're becoming Mm. older, which I think does make your tolerance of other people, men especially, you know, like I just want to do the bullshit. No fucker Mm. is sliding into my DMs anymore because I literally don't have time for that. You know, all the games and all that that kind of stuff. (laughs) And you just think, you know what, life is short. I just want to meet someone great. And if I want to have someone, I want them to be just a great, normal person. I think there is a realization that all that time competing with other women or feeling insecure from other women or constantly comparing yourself to other women is such wasted time. Because I think my best female friendships have come back from over 40 when we're all a bit like, what the fuck was that about? We actually like each other better than we like men in a lot of ways. It's hard to say. I think there's a combination of both things. I think mentally, you you know yourself so much better in your 40s than you do in your 20s and physically physicality is not everything otherwise everyone's screwed aren't they nobody stays beautiful oh yeah feminism is different in all different parts of the world and we have different issues in all different parts of the world but I do feel that women are are uniting I mean you wouldn't always believe it if you looked on Twitter but I do think women are (laughs) uniting and realizing that actually the way forward is to just keep chipping away just keep chipping away and I think talking about money is important for that talking about sex is important for that you know talking about other kinds of women's experience is important for that. But I definitely think that this this is the time of the menopause. Our generation is definitely up for, you know, talking about what it's like to be in your 40s and 50s. I think we're much more open about it. Like my friends who are just coming into this period of their life, I'm like, oh God, your 40s are so great in so many ways. And in other ways, God, they're awful. You just don't mm. know coming and going half the time, which is good. I think, you know, I think it's like in your book, you know, that anger fuels you, mm. you know, it really does. For me, the most difficult thing about menopause was the silence and that nobody talked about it. And I didn't really have a clue what was going on. And 
I didn't feel like I could just go. In fact, when I did kind of try and raise it a couple of times with friends, they were all a bit like, oh, no, get away, sign of the, uh, you know, yeah, antichrist. Like, like it was catching. You know, like you're suddenly not sexy, you're suddenly not a person, you're suddenly, whereas I'm kind of like, now I try and be loud about it because it's definitely affecting my mood. So I do think that is important that people know that, you know, if I'm snappy with someone on text, I'm like, oh God, I'm properly menopausy today, you know, month six, no period or month five, no period or whatever. So people can get, because it is mm-hmm. a thing that your body's going through and you, they can call it natural, but death is also natural. You know, like it's not necessarily a pleasant experience. <laughs> So this may be a natural phase and I'm hoping we will come out the other side of it happy and, you know, punch in the air. You know, I think it's really important that other women know that it's okay that you're having this and you don't have to have HRT or you can have HRT, you know, horses for courses. And because our mums just kind of sucked it up, didn't they? And it hangs over you like a cloud all the way through your life as a woman. It's like this terrible thing that happens and then you die. And then someone said to me, actually, you have more years after your menopause than you had with periods as a rule. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's it's not this end game. I do quite like not panicking about fucking Tampax every two minutes. I think how how much money I've saved. Because I used to have such heavy periods. I could get through bloody packets of them. So when you wrote Behind Her Eyes, I know this is probably completely irrelevant, but you were 44 and Gillian Flynn was 44 when she wrote Gone Girl and Paul Hawkins was 44. Do you think that there's a 40-something thing? I think there's a massive thing. You know, my friends who are sort of a few years younger than me, they're all hitting that early 40s thing now. 40s are in many ways brilliant. I have really enjoyed my 40s in that I literally give so much less of a shit than I ever did before. You know, like men Mm. I don't care about so much as you can tell by my zoom appearance yeah and I think there is something that if you're a woman with children which I'm not but I've seen it in my friends they start to regain themselves they're kind of like right I'm ready to get back to being me again and I think there is a sense of taking stock in your early 40s and thinking right enough dicking around if I'm gonna do this let's really Mm. go for it this weekend I'm celebrating my six months without a period so it's that constant like you know like people keep saying oh you're only 48 you're too young and I'm like tell that to my freaking ovaries and my hot sweat see I was 46 and it did feel like it was too young but you I know. remember I missed my first entire period it was the year of behind her eyes so 46 if someone said to me it's about three years after your first missed period that it really kicks in and I'm now at that three years and I'm gonna be 49 in a couple of months men don't have that thing where you're suddenly checking when your last period was and why are my boobs sore all month? And why all this stuff that women have to cope with and get mm. irritated and, you know, fed up and pissed off. I think it kind of spurs us on a little bit. I think our midlife crisis is different to men's. Even as a single woman, you know, woman who's not married, no children, until you're sort of mid to late 30s, I think we're all quite submissive. Whether we're alpha women or not, we mm. give in to other people because you kind of think, oh, it's easier life if we go along with the, what they want. I remember splitting up with a live-in boyfriend and I'd kind of gone from live-in boyfriend to live-in boyfriend to live-in boyfriend. And I remember such a stupid thing, but I had always wanted to try the Tesco's big and fresh eggs. You know those eggs? They were always they could, the yellow box. They weren't even the Oh, ones. yes, yes. They were yes. or anything, but they just, to me, looked like, oh, my God, they look like really big and tasty eggs. And he had never, he'd always, well, no, we get these eggs. And when we split up and I went to Tesco on my own for the first time, I was like, I'm having those bloody eggs. And they weren't even that great, but I had them, you know? <laughs> so I think we suddenly become about ourselves a little bit. And I think other women become far more interesting to us because we stopped feeling so competitive with other women. You know, 
I think you reach a point where you're like, why have we spent all these years worrying about what other women are thinking of us? And I do think that in my 40s, I've become much more respectful of how hard my friends with kids had to work because obviously I didn't have them so I kind of just thought oh why have they changed <laughs> you know yeah. but now I look at it and I think oh wow they were really holding it together there so my current book I'm writing now is about a career woman who's got a stay-at-home husband and the, you know the dynamics there start to unravel you can tell me to fuck off <laughs> but um has your financial success affected your relationships at all it's difficult to say isn't it I mean I was going out with Irvin Welsh for a while and he's not at all you know, he's not broke, is he? So that wasn't, no. <laughs> you know, we'd be fighting to pay bills. So no, it didn't affect that one. My last living boyfriend, it took him a little while to adjust to earning less than me. It was such a vast difference. That sounds awful. But you know, and you know what it's like in our job, it's feast or famine, isn't it? Which is why I don't have a massive great big house. I've just got a three bed semi because I think at least it's mine. There's no mortgage. I see a lot of people mm. get money and they buy a massive house and you think, well, how many rooms do you need? You know? Yeah, it did. It did. But in many ways for me, I don't think he saw it this way, but it was very freeing because I used to say like the great thing about living with someone who's got their own money, living with them or not living with them, whatever, if they're with you, they're simply there because they like you. You know, they I didn't need him for his money. I didn't need him for a house. I didn't need him for any of those things. So while I was there, it was because I liked to be there. But I think men aren't used to it being that way around. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I haven't really, I'm too busy hot flushing to think about dating. But, um, <laughs> like, and also I've reached that stage, which is awful, where you start feeling old and unattractive and the pandemic doesn't help because you don't really make any effort either, do you? Because it's not like you're seeing anybody. No. Yeah, it's just like nobody cares anymore. I do see some women out and about always looking nice. I think, God, I should at least try and make an effort. But but that never seems to last. If I have a, if I ever have another relationship, <laughs> I think it would have to be with someone who was either very secure in themselves or had money of their own. It's just easier. And I'm quite happy to pay for stuff, but um, it doesn't always sit well with people, does it? Has the pandemic completely nixed dating then? I just can't bring myself to internet dates. My problem with internet dating is the people that I have actually been in love with in my life, I would never have chosen from an internet date picture. It's kind of two ways. The ones I would probably fall in love with, I probably wouldn't choose their picture. You know, they're probably people I think, oh, they're not very attractive, which is an awful thing to say, but that's how we all think. But I'd probably really like them face to face and think, oh, they're really funny. Because for me, it's funny, clever witty that kind of thing I like but then if they're really good looking on there I think what is wrong with them he must just be a player or something so no I'm not designed for internet dating and aside from that where are we going to meet anyone in the pandemic it's just not going to happen dog walking I definitely think like of a lot of the women I've spoken to as they've gone into their late 40s and into their 50s and beyond you're a bit less focused on oh I've got to do that thing or say that thing because that's what that person wants yeah yeah totally you're less likely to play other people's game if you know what I mean other people's approval is not so important to me now and even with other women I still obviously we still evaluate other women in the same way we evaluate men but I, I evaluate other women in a much more gentle way now I think when you're in your 20s, you're kind of conditioned to want to be the funniest, the most attractive. The, you know, we're all trying to be the pretty one in the room, which, you know, I was sort of 10 stone at 10. So that didn't happen for me at an early age. But um, yeah. <laughs> so we're all trying to be either the funny one or the witty one or whatever. And we're all we all look at other women and feel insecure about ourselves. But that's gone now because it's like, I'm nearly 50. That's not, you know, like, I'm just not going to be the prettiest woman in the room anymore. So let's just chill out and just get on with people. And you realise actually, you know, what was all that time wasted? But I do think men have a role to play in that as well. You know, like, I think it's just centuries of conditioning. Even my mum to this day will say, oh, you know, 
if you meet a rich man and settle down, I'm a bit like, well, where's feminism and all of that? Meet a rich man. I said, what do you think I'm doing? I'm trying to be rich myself, mom. Where? She's still saying that to you yeah, now. I'm saying, oh, it's a joke. I'm only joking. And I'm like, mm. because it's, yeah. you know, she's only just got over me not going back into teaching. I think now it would take a very special man to make me actually want to live with someone again. It used to be quite important to me because everybody was in couples and it was kind of you had to be in a couple. And now I'm like, no, that was one thing I liked about living in London, actually, was there was a huge swathe more single women of all ages. You know, know, we had my friend's 60th, my friend's husband's 60th birthday by Zoom a few weeks ago. And it was literally all couples faces and then sort of just me and my box no one cares cares anymore because I'm past childbearing it's not that oh you've still got time thing that I used to get when did that stop I reckon about 42 yeah started to give up on you at that point well it's just random people isn't it? it's like the dentist or whatever that are you married no boyfriend no children no oh there's still time and you're like fuck off (laughs) just drill my teeth (laughs) it's like when you think about it isn't it it's just it's outrageous really Like, you don't even know me. I know. And, you know, literally, a couple of friends of mine, Charlotte and Steve, like, Charlotte would be like, oh, it would be so nice if Sarah met someone. And her husband's like, Sarah's just driven with work. All Sarah wants to do is work. They've been married forever and they've got two beautiful kids and they're so perfectly happy. But so she wants that for me because that's what makes her happy. Whereas I just look at Gillian Flynn's career and think, oh, I'll have a bit of that. I think if I was a man, they'd just think, oh, Sarah, you know, Stephen, or whatever my name would be, you know, just very ambitious, you know, like it's just an ambitious yeah. person. Whereas when you're a woman, it's like, there must be something wrong with you, or you, you must be bitter, or you must be wondering, no, I really like men. I mean, I really like them. I like them a lot. But, you know, I'm not one of those women that has to have one, you know, yeah. not anymore. Even now, there's still that sense that if you're a woman and you're our age and you don't have children, for example, yeah. you've somehow missed out. Yeah. And people would be like, why don't you have a boyfriend? As if it's not a choice. But, you know, you should have a boyfriend. Why don't you? As if, like, there's something so wrong. I'm not out there desperately crying looking for a boyfriend. I just, I'm literally quite happy on my own. You know, you meet people and you think, oh, that would be nice. But if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it's not the end of my world. I really just like making up stories. And since I've had a dog, I'm like, you know, the dog's pretty good company. The dog stays. The man can visit. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, What's your emotional age? I've had this conversation with people. Like my mum always reckons she's still 21, which is bollocks. See, I think I'm maybe 34 emotionally because by 34, I was writing, I was teaching. I was kind of in the zone where I still quite liked a night out, but I liked a nice dinner and a bottle of wine and good conversation and, you know, and I think that that will be me probably through the rest of my years. I think my emotional age is probably the age I am now because I do think even at 34, I was still contemplating perhaps if I met the right person having a baby, which was a (laughs) flash in the pan thought. Because I'd lived with a man who had three small children when we broke up, I obviously really missed those children. I don't know. It's hard to say, isn't it? I'm definitely more jaded and world weary now. But I think that might just be the fucking pandemic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cool. I just got a few questions that I always ask. Yeah. So give me a book recommendation. What book would you push on a friend? Oh, my God. Sarah Langan. Good Neighbours. It's about a close in New Jersey and all the families that live in it. And uh, something happens to one of the kids, but it's a real kind of hysteria. It's got a sense of the crucible about it and and gossip and that kind of thing. And it's a real step forward for her. I mean, she was always a really good writer, but it's kind of sort of literary domestic suspense, I guess. 
would be the way to describe it. What advice would you give a younger woman? I mean, it's also try, isn't it? Try and be yourself as much as possible because trying to be anybody else is really taxing, tiring, exhausting and will just make you miserable. Um, Image isn't everything. Men aren't everything. Don't ever, ever sacrifice your own goals for a man that would be my and I think that's why women in their 40s are so ferocious because they sacrifice so much for family for man and so often the men don't work out or whatever and you've missed half a decade and you've realized you've set them up to go off and live their best life and you're carrying the can for it so don't ever put a man's ambitions before your own there will be another man because there always is you know I see people who've been heartbroken in a divorce and then five years later they've met someone who makes them much happier you know, and you kind of like, that's the way the world works. But if you are an ambitious person, opportunities don't come along very often. You know, if you get an opportunity, don't sack it off for a man. So hard, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I think it's a really good bit of advice, though. Who's your old bird role model? I don't know, someone like Judy Dench or Joanna Lumley. When I'm old, I want to be still funny. You know, I'd quite like to be a travels with my aunt kind of old bird, you know, you know, I don't want I don't want to look like I'm trying to be a radical old bird. I just want to be a radical old bird. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Those kind of women who still do what they want to do. Helen Mirren, she's not trying to be younger. It's almost like age is irrelevant. She's still getting on with what she wants to do. They're all still doing what they want to do mm. and being who they want to be. And I think that is probably the best any of us can hope for when we're older. What's your superpower? I think I'm quite um intuitive about my friends feelings you know I'm quite good at spotting when someone's having a bit of an issue or that kind of thing so yeah I don't think women believe their own hype in the same way men do they think every word is a font of wisdom I mean not all men they're, they're a nice ones you know I like a lot of them but their attitude to things and success is different to women's I think uh, I kind of think it's more like if we're successful we think it's a fluke but if they're successful they think well, of course. Yeah. And I'm getting better at that, actually, because I did have someone say something about imposter syndrome the other day. And they were like, do you have imposter syndrome? And I was like, no, I fucking don't. You know, I have worked hard at this for a lot of time. It's like that Cheryl Strayed quote. Yeah, she, she said something like, basically, I've worked really, really hard to be this lucky, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think the pandemic has put a lot of things into perspective. I just want to do my own thing. I want to plough my own path. All that stuff that seemed so important a few years ago about the scene and people are approving of you I haven't got the energy you know I'm too busy trying to approve of myself without worrying about what other people think of me yeah it's a good point to ask you the last question how many fucks do you give oh zero fucks <laughs> even if I fall out with people now if it's something that, that I feel was worth standing ground on I'm a bit like oh well you know I'm just gonna be sitting over here hot flushing in the fridge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just generally got grumpier and it's an awful thing to say but in a lot of ways more blokey I think it's that kind of say what I think got a lot of work on got good friends and can live without the rest that's brilliant yeah a good good meal in a restaurant I could live with right now a nice warm red on the go after a little pre-dinner cocktail witty conversation laughing being silly gorgeous food that's my aim for this year to be able to do that once so we shall see all right then cool all right then thank you thank you for listening i'd love to hear your feedback you can reach me on twitter at sam baker and instagram at the other sam baker using the hashtag the shift you can hear a new episode of the shift each tuesday on acast apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts 
If you like what you hear, please do rate and subscribe because it really does help other people find us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.